When you think of crypto exchanges, which do you think are the best? Binance, HitBTC, Bittrex, Gemini? Wouldn't it be good to have objective data on which crypto exchanges get the highest ratings for legitimacy and which are more on the mm, questionable side? Well, on Yaven of Cointelligence has some great data that's going to open your eyes. They've done some really fantastic work evaluating exchanges in some key metric areas. And as they say, knowledge is power. So we're going to open up the fire hose of crypto info and silliness, open wide and say, ah, it's episode number 266 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Ah, 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 And welcome, friends, to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious and the crypto serious, where there is a healthy dose of both information and silliness. In fact, I think Goofy is here. Oh, gosh, Mickey. How are you doing? Uh, uh, I'm doing okay, Goofy. Just watching Bitcoin slowly recover. Oh, gosh, this is great. I love the cryptos. I love the cryptos too. And and we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our sponsor, BlueShare. They're a next generation Swiss trusted, secure blockchain liquid digitized investment. Digitalized or digitized? I don't know the difference. What's so what is it if something's digitalized? Mm, I'm not sure, but it does have a line underneath it. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> they're security tokens. They're tokenized equity capital participation shares of a Swiss-based consolidated company called Interprom Mining AG. They're among the first business in the world to offer a traditional equity capital participation share on the Ethereum blockchain. So you can get capital appreciation, dividends, mobility, security, liquidity, all this good stuff for shareholders. If you want to check it out, go to Blue Share. Dot io and you can learn more about the sharing of the blues that is true good stuff so today our guest his name is on yaven and in this episode mr joel comp on goes off <laughs> maybe we should have called it that on goes off with with on yeah. yaven yeah yeah he's um you know they started coin intelligence to rate icos and the like but since icos kind of took a turn they've really focused their um their efforts on rating crypto exchanges and i think it's actually a way a better use of time because what they've discovered is really important stuff yeah so i mean if you guys listen to the last episode you know, Binance recently got hacked and they're one of the ones that's more secure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. And I think that there needs to be a, you know, third party site out there that is, is ranking the crypto exchanges. I know there's another site out there called CER. I don't know if it's a dot com or whatnot, but it is crypto exchange ranks. Uh, that's based out of a there's a hacking.io sets that up and they're grading all the different exchanges. So there's there's more and more sites out there that are grading crypto exchanges. And I think that's something that's definitely needed now, Mr. Jolcom. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to this interview with Anya Avin. Ross Ulbricht is serving a double life sentence without parole for all nonviolent charges. He is a first time offender and no victims were named at trial. 
Ross is condemned to die in a cage because he made a website called Silk Road that allowed people to exchange what they chose using Bitcoin as long as no third party was harmed. Please help. Sign and share the petition at freeross.org to commute Ross's sentence and bring him home. Few things are more important than data in the crypto space and conducting data research and analysis to understand what's happening in the market because investors need tools. We got to be able to analyze ICOs and STOs, and it would be really useful if we understood what was going on with the exchanges. That's where Cointelligence comes in. The website's Cointelligence.com and on Yevin, the founder of Cointelligence, they are a company that conducts data research and analysis for the crypto economy, specializing in the analysis and ratings of crypto exchanges. So this is going to be interesting and on. Welcome to Bad Crypto. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you guys actually got started by reviewing ICOs, but it seems like you've really pivoted to um, adding value through rating of exchanges. I think I know why that is, but why don't you share with us the situation? Sure. Thank you. So when we started, we um, wanted to have a source of information for the public, for everyone that is interested in blockchain and crypto. Decide that we are going to focus on ICOs back then because ICOs were such a major thing. We started in August 2017. Very quickly, we understood that ICOs are not the main focus that we should have, but uh, the exchanges. And um, that's why we developed the exchanges rating system uh, that we have at the moment on the website. We are doing uh, due diligence basically to any blockchain or crypto company. But at the moment, our main focus is uh, definitely exchanges. I will add uh, something else as well. It's not only the due diligence process that we're doing. It's not only the research and analysis. It's also a lot about education for us. Um, and we are publishing professional content on a regular basis to educate the public about blockchain and crypto. And we also established Cointelligence Academy a few months ago. And we are doing a roadshow across the UK and teaching in different universities about blockchain and crypto. So obviously the rating is a very, oh, and not to forget uh, uh, the last but not least of what we're doing, which is scam hunting. When, whenever we are doing due diligence and we find a non-legit company, we call them out. So everyone will be warned about them and will not invest their money uh, and, and lose it, obviously. Um, so that's basically what Cointelligence is all about. And we are about um, getting, as much as it sounds like a cliche, getting crypto and blockchain to the masses, but in a good way. That's about it. <laughs> Very nice. And, and you told everybody, stay away from that bad crypto podcast because we're... Saw that. That's, that's actually how we met, right? You're like, this bad crypto podcast is horrible. I'm going to go berate them live on their show. So it's great that you're on here with us. <laughs> <laughs> you got that. <laughs> Good stuff. 
So, so you guys started out doing ICOs and now the market's kind of moving over to these STOs. If you could maybe, you know, maybe explain that. How's that current market situation going and how are you guys looking at the differences between ICOs and STOs? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so everyone is uh, talking about the shift, the change from ICOs to STOs. And to be honest, I was saying the same thing um, some time ago. But it's not a change and it's not a shift. It's a different mechanism. It's completely different because when we are talking about STOs, we are talking about securities. And at the moment, everything related to STOs is completely based on securities laws. The old laws, the laws that are not relevant for crypto, unfortunately, and the regulators are taking their time. And the biggest uh, difference between ICOs and STOs, the way that we see it, is the regulation and the globalization. Because whenever you are looking at uh, STOs at the moment, you're not able to do anything global because you have to make sure that you are compliant with the securities laws of each country that you are approaching for investors. And if you're approaching American investors and um, investors from the UK or from Holland, you will need to act according to each country's securities laws, which sometimes are similar, but they're not always the same. And with ICOs, we didn't have all of these uh, uh, considerations and we have just ICO and do it uh, in every country in the world without even thinking twice. That's a part of the problem that we have with ICOs, uh, among other things. So that's the main difference, the way that I see it between ICOs and STOs. But obviously, there's many, many um, differences, uh, small differences. Mm -hmm. how, soon, how soon until we get to the merger of stocks and crypto tokens? So we are already seeing some of the projects that are trying to uh, combine the old world with the new world. We are already seeing projects that are trying to do fundraising based on equity, but through crypto. If you're asking me for, uh, um, to, to guess when it's going to become mainstream, I think it will take at least a year or two. And I'm being positive. Um, it might take uh, longer. And, and there's also an option that if we will see a huge advancement with crypto, maybe we'll just see how it's uh, replacing and not just uh, combined together. Mm, that'd be interesting. Yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm a true believer in SDOs because the fact that you can do tokenization for almost anything that means that you are able to allow participants from any place and any background and any financial uh, capabilities to uh, participate. Right now, today, you're not able to do that with many of the stocks and shares uh, that you see are being traded. Uh, and that's why I'm so pro uh, STOs. And I think that they will in evolve uh, seriously uh, and uh, become uh, the main uh, way for you to raise funds. That's how I look at it.
So, you know, as we look at the state of the uh, the cryptos today and what's happening in the exchange world, there's data out there that would indicate um, a lot of the volume on some exchanges is fake volume and other exchanges are really reliable and, and you guys are rating them. So how are you digging in to determine what's real and what's not? <laughs> Great question. So first of all, we are doing due diligence in a way that we check everything that is public and open. That's the first uh, part, the first uh, step. The second step is that we always approach the exchange itself and we just ask them to provide us with documents and provide us with the details that we need in order to complete the due diligence process. Some of them are ignoring us and then they get a lower score. Some of them are playing all kinds of games with us and they think that they are, I mean, they're trying to fool us, but obviously we are very aggressive about it and we make sure that they understand that if we don't get the relevant documents or proof for specific things, we will uh, lower the score. And the last part of our due diligence process is technologies that we are using thanks to a few collaborations and a few partnerships that we have with other companies that have specific focus on specific parts of uh, due diligence for exchanges and combining everything together, we are able to really reach a a level of in-depth analysis to allow uh, us to um, uh, give the, the score that we do, that we give. You've got four scores in here. Like I'm looking right now and you've got, uh, for example, the first one I see listed on the site with the highest rating is Gemini with um, you rank performance, team, risk, and usability. And then you give an overall average. I'm not sure how you weight that, but it looks like Gemini is an 8.75 out of 10, five for performance. So the higher the number in performance, the better. Yes, absolutely. Basically all the... All, all the measurements that you see, the higher the better, besides the, the uh, part of the risk. Okay, because risk, risk, it says one. Exactly. So the risk should be as low as possible. Now, you should consider a few things. One, you see the main categories, but each category is divided into a couple of, sometimes a dozen or even two dozen subcategories. The second thing that you should consider is that this is the first, the, 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 I would call it the beta version of our exchanges rating system. We already upgraded the system and already improved it after we started doing it. And when we um, update the uh, rating for the exchanges in the upcoming months, which is, by the way, going to be on a regular basis because the the, the biggest uh, advantage, the way that we see our rating system, is that it will not be a one-time thing. We will keep rating the exchanges. Every exchange will be rated over and over again every two to three. So people will know that we are updating it all the time on a regular basis. And we already changed a score for a few of our exchanges that we found details that were not, uh, we were not able to access them when we did the rate. So it's an ongoing process and it will be updated all the time. And specifically to what you're asking, it's a few, I will say the most important parts 
right now is the user accessibility, the way that users can interact with the exchange, if it's uh, uh, convenient and easy to use, if the customer support is responding well, if the security level is high, we check the security and we are very sensitive about the security. And when we say security, we're talking about all the levels of security, which means that it's um, how they treat the, the, the money that we uh, transfer to them, how they are making sure that they will not lose that money from because of hacks or because of anything else. And beside all of that, the part that I think is really, really important is the team. We analyze the team and we make sure that the team is really reliable and can actually manage an exchange. And it goes from the CEO and the, the rest of the C-level positions up to the, uh, to the lower positions. And we make sure that they are able, actually able to manage an exchange and manage our funds that are in the exchange. And I can tell you that we were pretty much surprised that a lot of the exchanges are not willing to disclose the details of the team members. We, had, we, we have about more than 50 or 60 at least of the exchanges out there not willing to tell us who is behind the exchange. And some of them are giving us really stupid answers. There is one example that my head of research approached an exchange and they actually answered, yes, it's a great team. And he asked for the team details for three times. Yeah, it, it was the, uh, the team of Dewey, Cheatham, and Hal, right? I think that was who they were over there. <laughs> Very good. So if you actually go to coin, cointelligence.com and click on the different tabs, you have the ICOs, STOs tabs, the IEO. Uh, is that what the initial exchange offering? Is that new exchanges that are launching? Is that what that is? Yes, the IEO is the new ICOs. And we are beginning to see the hype now around IEOs. And I see it uh, industry-wise, and I see it on a personal level by people approaching me and consulting with me if they should do an, I an IEO or not. My personal take on IEOs is that they are, I mean, there is a small part of IEOs that I like. And the only small part that I like is the fact that if a, a, a company and a project is really legit, it can save a lot of trouble and it can save a lot of headache and um, a lot of money if you're doing an IEO. But beside that advantage, most of the IEOs that we've seen until now are completely crap, exactly like most of the ICOs were crap. And most of them were either a scam or a non-legit project. And I can explain about the scams and the, the non-legit projects uh -huh. uh, that are not scammed for hours. No, my, my, question, my question about this is, is, are these like companies that uh, have did a project, but now they're trying to raise money to pay for that exchange listing fee? Is that what that is? No. The IEO process is a process where you agree with the exchange that you will list the token on the exchange 
And during the IEO process, people are supposed to buy the token for a specific, uh, um, obviously, oh. you have specific terms. And usually you get a discount if you do it through the IEO or so on. And basically, the exchange is doing everything for you. The exchange is marketing the token for you. The exchange is, S is, is proposing it to all its users. And you can only do it so far. I didn't see anyone doing it uh, in another way. You do it in one specific exchange. There are projects that are trying to start doing it in a few exchanges on the same time, but mm. I didn't see any of them. So that's an IEO, basically. Yeah. And the first one was in 2017, but only about two months ago, the hype started. And it started thanks to, of course, Binance. Well, let me ask you this then, because we've launched a coin. We've launched a bad coin, right? We've launched a bad. Mm -hmm. But it's not, we've not, we didn't do an ICO. We didn't do a raise. We basically just mm -hmm. built a multi-chain that allows folks to mine effectively and fairly because we knew there was a big problem with the with the big warehouses of folks out there with the ASIC computers and and regular folks just can't mine crypto anymore and so we we wanted to to, to make mining fair and that's what we did but a lot of these exchanges for us to get on there's exchanges they're like oh we need x amount of dollars or you know since it's your own multi-chain we got to have our developers do different things to you know, enable you to list your token on your on your site. So that's going to cost X amount of dollars. And so, since we did not do an ICO, we did not do any fundraising except for just bootstrapping it on our own. It's like we're limited by trying to get on some of those exchanges. And it sounds to me like if we had instead did an IEO and raised money on that, and then took that money and then built our blockchain, it would have been a whole different game. Yes. You're right, but I have to tell you uh, the following. An IEO or an ICO are great mechanisms, in my opinion. There's nothing wrong with them. The only problem is that people are abusing these mechanisms. The same that we've seen with ICOs is happening with IEOs. And the reason is because the exchanges that decided on the specific projects, for example, for IEOs, are not doing it for the benefit of the, of, of the crypto community. They're not doing it for the benefit of the public. They are choosing the projects according to the higher bids that they are getting from the projects. And they are choosing these projects because they only care about their income and their revenues. And that's the problem that I have with it. The same with ICOs. People just abuse the ICOs because it was easy. It was the wild, wild west. Everyone could do whatever they want. It's not that there's something wrong with ICOs. It's, it's, it's that the people behind the projects that abused it. Now, with regards to your project, I don't think it's a bad thing to do an IEO. If you have a legit project, if you have a legit uh, uh, token uh, or coin, then it can be a great way. It can actually make a lot of shortcuts to raise funds. But as long as it's a legit project, it's great. So far, I didn't see any legit project that did an IO. Not even hmm. one. And there's already a couple of dozens. We're, we're going to do the first uh, old McDonald style raise and call it an EIEIO. Is that okay? <laughs> That'd be great. An EIEICO.
Oh my gosh. So, I mean, no wonder people are confused, right? There's just so many different ways to, to fund and I, I get confused by it all. So I would imagine that others are as well, but it sounds like you have really done your homework on this. And I would imagine that there's some people that you're making very happy and that you're probably getting on the short list of some others that uh, are, you're calling out. You know, I'm I'm wondering. Uh, you know, have you found yourself on the 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 bad end of some emails as a result? Absolutely. First of all, I get a legal threat approximately every one to two months. It's a bit uh, slower now. It's a bit lower with the amount because, because there's less ICOs and less scams. But I'm getting legal threats all the time. Actually. I published a story about a month ago, and the guy that I published the story about, um, and you tell me if I can mention the name because I don't have any problem calling out uh, in public everyone. Um, well, you can you, you can say whatever you want. You know, please uh, understand the opinions of guests on Bad Crypto Podcast are not those of the official Bad Crypto Podcast. Your mileage may vary. Yeah, so don't sue us, Craig Wright. Uh. <laughs> Great. So now, so now I can say whatever I want. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so I published a story about a guy called Mr. Nick Iton from a company, an advisory company called Chain Starter. The story is published on Cointelligence. It was already picked up by um, um, at least 50 other crypto uh, news websites. And the story is the following. He did an ICO with a partner, and both of them were acting very, very in a a, a negligent way, and they did a lot of stupid stuff. But let's put all of that aside. The, 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 The part that bothers me the most is that they took money that they raised from investors, and they used it as a loan for the advisory company, Chain Starter. Now, think about it. Investors are investing in a project and they want to see, by the way, the project is uh, uh, completely stupid in my opinion. They're trying to do a movie. I don't have any clue how come a movie production is relevant for an ICO. It doesn't have anything to do with the blockchain. It doesn't have anything to do with the token. Everything there is completely rubbish, but let's put that aside. They actually took investors' money and you're another company. And when I approached Mr. Iton and I asked him about it, he said, oh, yes, we have everything documented between the two companies as if it's legit. He didn't show me that all the investors in the ICO signed and agreed for them to use the funds in a different way. Now, that's the one of the problems that I had. The second problem that I have is that before I published the article when I sent it to him for comments. And by the way, the first time I sent it uh, to him for comments, I did change a lot in the article after I got his comments. But on the second time that I sent it to him, he actually started threatening me with legal threats. And then he sent me on the night before I told him that I'm planning to publish. He wrote an article about me and Cointelligence. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was a complete joke. 
Because he, for example, if you go on Cointelligence now, you can see that there's projects in the ICOs and STOs category that are marked as sponsored, as if they paid for it. But the thing is that they didn't pay for it. We just tested because we changed the design for the website a few weeks ago. We did some tests and we updated them as sponsored projects, which obviously they get free advertising, which they didn't pay for. But he started accusing us of promoting STOs and it's illegal, which was all obviously uh, one big uh, bullshit. And he also tried to, basically the bottom line is that he tried to threaten me and make me not publish the article about him. Um, and that's one example. A second uh, example that I would say that I, that I like to give is the, the scams or the scam enablers. And the scam enablers are all these advisors that we've seen calling themselves experts. The website that has the most corrupted advisors and experts is called ICO Bench. ICO wow. Bench is one you, of the biggest... Not he's going any punches. Damn. He's going after the people, isn't he? And these <laughs> people suck. Bench. And these people wait, 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 wait. Oh. <laughs> wait, let me tell you something. ICO Bench is the biggest corruption source in our industry, being led and managed by very shady people. And just as an example, when I sent, when my head of research sent a, a question about a specific ICO that we investigated, and we've seen the top three of the top 10 experts on ICO bench at being advisors on, for that project, you know what kind of responses my head of research got? They said, sorry. Oh, just to make it clear, we, the head of research asked them about the CTO of the ICO. Because we've noticed that the CTO doesn't have any suitable uh, background or knowledge to build a blockchain company, to manage a blockchain company, and so on. So we asked them about the CTO, and their response was, sorry, we, I'm not familiar with the, the core team of the project, and um, I can't give you any details. Now, I've been an angel investor and an advisor and a mentor for the last 10 years. I know what it takes to be an advisor and a mentor. And the only thing that these people are doing is getting paid. They ask for a lot of Bitcoins. They are telling you, okay, fine. As soon as you pay me, you can put me as an advisor on your website. And what does that do? It misleads the public. It makes people think that a project is legit, which is not. And another example that I would give you is the rating websites, sites that are similar to Cointelligence. We investigated one ICO and we found the ICO to be a complete fake project. The team was fake, the website was fake, the whole project was fake. And we've seen that on many of the well-respected rating websites out there, this project got a seven out of 10, a four out of t a five, and so on and so on. How much they got on Cointelligence? Zero, because it's a scam. So we've had so many problems with the ICOs, so many problems with the scam enablers. And by the way, you've had a huge scammer 
on your show as well. Actually, Uh-oh. one of the biggest scammers Uh-oh. out there. Uh oh. We should We're about to get real. We should vet all of our shows through, I guess, on here, huh? For you. Okay, feel, go for it. I mean, it's it's it, your words. Go for it. <laughs> so you, so you had Mr. David Drake on your show, not once, twice. but twice. Hmm. Yeah. And the guy is one of the biggest scammers and scam enablers in our industry. Why do you say that? You don't need co-intelligence to uh, analyze him for you. Just Google his name and you will understand. Well, I mean, a lot of people can talk crap about people. Uh, you know, go ahead, if you got something to say, go ahead and say it. Yeah, but he was associated with some of the ICOs that turned out to be complete scams. And he was helping them and promoting them. I he doesn't care about thing or anyone besides making his profits. If you need a list of the scams, I'll be more than happy to email it to you and show you the list. Well, I mean, if you want to call some of them out, you've gone this far. <laughs> yeah, you're He's at dropping this, some bombs. At this I'd be point, very happy to. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No problem at all. What do, you, what do you see? You know, which ICOs can you say with, you know, 100% certainty besides be connect or scams? Mm-mm-mm. It all depends on how you define a scam because if you're defining a scam, uh, a project that just takes the money and, and runs away, the, 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 the founders, the people behind it. That's, a, that's definitely a scam. Yes, but there's also other types of scams um, or I call them mini scams. And that's where you're just misleading the public with all kinds of information. And you raise money because of that bullshit information, which is completely wrong. So, so, so in both cases, on the in both cases, the intent is is evil, right? You know, whether it's to take the money and run, or whether you're deceiving the public in order to raise capital, um, and then you know, oh, it didn't work, and we're out of business, and we've got your money. Uh, either way, the intent is is evil, right? Yes, absolutely. The intent is evil in both cases. It doesn't matter for, to me um, if it's a completely fake or it's a partial fake and so on. But um, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean, if we're talking about all the ICOs that we've seen until now, I would say that even if the intent was not evil and it was not meant to just take the money and run away, Still, people knew that they are doing a lot of bullshit and they just wanted to make their fortune. I'll give you uh, an example of something that is not considered to be a scam, but for me, it is a scam. And I'm using the word scam, and I know that it's a very, uh, uh, um, th- this word, it's, it's a very strong word, but I am still calling it a scam. And I'll give you an example. There is a guy that is in charge of a few of the ICOs that we've heard about, including some of the big ones, and it's all completely uh, rubbish, and I'll give you one example. I am talking about um, the company called Searing Labs, and that company developed a blockchain phone. So the thing is, it's not a, it's a clear scam because they didn't take the money and run away, but they raised money 
based on nothing and developed a product that no one really needs. And it was all around the hype of the ICOs. And this specific individual, the person behind it, actually did a couple of ICOs and all of them are completely rubbish and people who invested lost their money. Now, you're asking me to give you a few examples, but the list is so long and you have to remember, and I'm giving you a percentage now, a number that I'm not sure that it, it's accurate, but I am guessing that more than 90% of the ICOs are completely rubbish and there's nothing behind it. Now, I'm saying again, I'm very pro-ICOs. I'm very pro the mechanism behind the ICOs. But we have to admit that most of them are, they don't have anything behind them. They, don't, they, they didn't do anything until now. Even the ones that raised more than $100 million, they just didn't do anything until now. And I really like the fact that you guys didn't do an ICO. We were, when we started, we actually, everyone told me, on oh, you have to do an ICO. You will definitely raise money through an ICO. I didn't want to do that because I knew that I don't have a, I don't have any reason to do an ICO. Wow. This has been an interesting, this has been an interesting interview, Mr. Jokam. I would say so. And controversial uh, for sure. I, I think that uh, I'd like to cover, you know, one more topic here before we close out. And that is, um, besides going to Coin Intelligence and reading the reports, what is the best way for people to uh, to do their own due diligence and to you know know a scam when they see it? The best way, the, the, my recommendation for everyone is first of all, don't believe anyone when it comes to crypto investments at the moment, and don't believe the hype. Exactly, it's not only the hype; it's 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 much more than that. When your uh, uh, closest friends and family are coming and suggesting to invest in a project, it's really hard to look away. But the problem is that these people are following uh, the hype and following all kinds of celebrities that endorsed scams. And by the way, I'll give you another example. We've seen an, an ICO being endorsed by Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal was a, a, a <laughs> When I, was a when I was a teenager, I watched all his movies, all his action movies. And the guy actually endorsed a scam. It's very clear. It's proven. And, and, and don't follow the hype and don't listen to people that do not understand blockchain or crypto. And beside that, use tools like Cointelligence to make the evaluation and make the analysis in order to decide if the project is real and it has a, um, a future. But don't, I'm not saying just rely on co-intelligence. Don't rely on anyone specific. Don't rely on any specific company at the moment and do your own due diligence. If you're not able to do it and if you cannot trust yourself to do due diligence, don't spend your money and don't make investments in crypto and wait until you are able to do it. Boom. There you go. All right, then. Well, lots of great content there, on, And, and uh, I have to ask, what kind of name is, is on, on Yevon? <laughs> it's not what kind of name. It's that you should uh, remember that we are always on, and we are always on the lookout. So, that's so was, your, was, your, was your brother off? I just, you know, I, I need to know. <laughs> 
Is anybody else you want to blow up on? <laughs> or go off on? <laughs> Pretty much shit on the whole industry today, guys. This is great. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, check it out. Cointelligence.com is the site. And uh, you guys can go do your own due diligence and figure it out. Thanks, On. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So Gemini appears to be the highest ranked exchange out there. I've never used it, Travis. Have you? I've never used it as well. I'm pretty much, I maintain Coinbase has been the easiest way to go. And plus, you know, Gemini doesn't have as many. It's sort of kind of like kind of like Coinbase um, with, well, actually Coinbase is now offering all kinds of different ones now with their Coinbase custody um, platform that they have. But maybe if Gemini came on the show, maybe we would have, maybe we, I would use Gemini. Yeah. Come on, Winklevi. What's the deal? We've, we've invited you guys so many uh, times. Why do you hate us? I know. Why you got to be like that? I, they probably don't even know who we are. That's true. They have no clue. Yeah, but we both hate we both we both hate Zuckerberg. <laughs> I don't hate anybody. Let's not hate. No, Let's, I, do. I do. I do. I do. Let's just hate what he does. Let's just hate the way that you know Facebook is is operating. Because uh, no bueno. That's what I'll say about that. Hey, Al, I'm excited though that I'm not banned anymore. Oh, you're back. I'm back. Travis got back. <laughs> Travis is back on Facebook. Banned for seven days for sharing the news that it's now illegal to mention InfoWars or talk about InfoWars on Facebook because you'll get banned, and then I got banned. So basically, the very thing that Alex Jones has been screaming about, saying that they're going to censor, they're actually doing and proving him right. Actually doing that. I don't know if it's the fact that it's I said, you know, InfoWars um, is, you know, has been banned. It's, I think it's a... It's like a Nazi level book burning sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Or if it was the fact that I said Mark Zuckerberg can eat a whole bag of dick <laughs> and I and I tagged him. I tagged him. <laughs> so I don't know exactly which one I got banned. Well, for. I mean, you know, you are coming into his house and insulting him. And and if it was me, you did that too, I'd probably say, Well, get out. You know, yeah. beat it, hit the well, road. Yeah. Well, there's a challenge though, Mr. Joe Com. You know, if if social media sites are able to do this because they're a private company. Well, guess what? AT&T is a private company and Sprint's a private company. How long until they say, oh, well, you've been on InfoWars.com and we don't allow that. We don't really like that. So you can't have a phone anymore. Yeah, but here's here's the deal, Travis, is they're operating like a publisher. And if they're a publisher, you know what that means? It means they can be held liable for anything that is posted. That opens it up to millions of lawsuits. They could be, uh, it could be litigation into bankruptcy for even a powerhouse mm-hmm. like Facebook. And so yeah. they've got to be careful. All, all of the, the social sites, they need to be careful and, and, and allow people to speak. Mm-hmm. Hammer's going to come down. And I do think that, I mean, we've seen this now with Chase. Chase has banned people from having bank accounts, because, like that dude who, who was the founder of Proud Boys, mm-hmm. uh, African-American dude who, who runs Proud Boys. He got banned and now he can no longer have his bank account like that starts getting into some scary stuff whenever they can, you know, impact your livelihood and eliminate you from having services just because of that you have wrong think you don't have the the same think that everybody else does. And so I don't know. I fight against that shit, dude, because I don't like it. And I like, and even though I've, I've talked about it multiple times, it's like, I'm not far right. I'm literally on the left. I align with Gandhi, but I am not a fan 
of, of, of discrimination in any way, politically, religiously, or anything. So I go, I go crazy. I like free speech and I cannot lie. You fascists won't deny me the opportunity to say what I want to. Mm. Uh, yeah, fashbook. <laughs> well, this has absolutely nothing to do with crypto, but we told you, you know, if you're going to be in the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, you're going to get what you're going to get. We appreciate you listening. Make sure that you subscribe, follow, and if you like us, review. If you don't like us, you're probably not listening anymore anyhow, or you're just like, man, I just want to say something mean because they hurt my fee-fees. Now, don't even bother, you know, come on, move on. Yeah, to relax. relax. Don't do, do it. it. When you want to review it. It's five stars. Review it. (laughs) We'll catch you guys next time. So stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.